the year 2020, I started a podcast about movies. Some episodes occasionally focused on other media as well. As I dealt with threatening interdimensional beings, I eventually met my other self from another universe where all the stuff I talked about got delayed. As it turns out, the stories as me and my guests described them were presented very differently in that other universe. So I continued podcasting these recaps, which apparently sound like improvised reviews, to entertain listeners of that other universe while they waited for the new release dates. Some episodes even focused on content of years past that did not come out in that other universe for whatever reason. The year is 2022. The podcast is now bi-weekly, unless stated otherwise. My name is Steven Schinder, and you're listening to Delayed Replay. Hello, listeners. Welcome to the Season 3 premiere of Delayed Replay, back after a bit of a break. I'm your host, as always, Steven Schinder, and joining me once again, you may have heard him on the Season 2 finale back in December. It is Mr. Multiverse. How's it going, dude? It's going good. Um, I'm ready to tear this movie to shreds. <laughs> Yeah, you're just ready to chainsaw it to shreds, right? Yeah. Oh, when you said, hey, can we, can we review this movie? I was like, absolutely. I look forward to, you know, dragging it through the mud. Yeah, so we're talking about Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which came out last year in our universe. Of course, got delayed in that other universe and is coming out on Netflix, apparently. There might have been... A different set of directors depending on the universe um, that might account for like some of the differences of uh, the way that we're gonna talk about it I guess so just starting off like what are your experiences with the Texas Chainsaw Massacre franchise and feel free to say how you feel about each one I have a love I'm not the biggest uh Texas Chainsaw guy if you were to ask me my favorite horror franchise it'd be Halloween but I do have a lot of love for that because the thing is, like, it's more about you're not dealing with one killer. You're dealing with multiple killers. And I think, like, a lot of Hollywood forgets that, oh, Leatherface is the face, uh, pun not intended, of the family. He's not, like, the per real perpetrator. It's the whole family. It's the cook. It's 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 Nubbins. It's, it's Chop Top. It's, I could literally name all the family members right now. <laughs> The franchise has this thing of it really wants to be like the original film. But the problem is that movie is so how all the little elements for it, all the scenery, the cast, everything about that movie was like lightning in a bottle. You couldn't replicate it again. Even even Toby Hooper, uh, the director of the film, knew he couldn't replicate it. And that's why part two was such a deviation from it and i really loved part two it's this fun horror comedy and was i knew exactly what it was but since then every movie has tried to be the original film and i'm like you can't the, like even the remake in 2003 which i think was the last good uh texas chainsaw movie knew it could replicate it and win its own direction and i think it was for the better for it but like the problem is no one gets that that movie cannot be replicated and it's 
a franchise that's just irritating to watch because that movie is like even as a horror movie you could look at it in like an art house kind of way like there are just scenes where you could just pick apart in like an art study especially the the room with all the bone uh, bone art it's hauntingly beautiful like there are just some excellent like this is a just uh, just to deviate real quick my cousin who actually has directed films um for film festivals and she even like not to toot my own horn, but she actually got an, a major endorsement from Eli Roth. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> She's only, like, 18. That's the crazy part. But the thing is, is, like, that film, the, the cinematography in that film can be, like, used as, like, a template, like, how to study how to do cinematography in any movie. So it's just infuriating that these films are just trying and fail like they miss the mark every time like i get so pissed off every time they like oh we're gonna go back to the original film i'm like oh so you're going to drag that name through the mud again and this movie's no different yeah you touched on a lot of things that i want to touch upon um i guess that's a redundant sentence but you know what i mean uh yeah the first movie is like you're right about leatherface you know he's different from other slashers in that he's got this family and he is the face, but he, he also doesn't show his face, but he's that iconic image for the family. And the family dynamic is what makes it really interesting because he's basically an attack dog, but he's subservient to the cook, uh, who's his father and or brother, depending on the installment, uh, and his brother, the hitchhiker. And, you know, he'll like back down when confronted by them, but he'll attack like anyone who's like, coming on their turf. Yeah. In a weird way, Leatherface is almost like the victim more than the slashers. I mean, more than the than the actual victims in the movie. Yeah, yeah. Th this would be about, like, 10 or 9 or 8 years ago or something, but I remember entering one of those Goodreads giveaways where I ended up getting a copy of Chainsaw Confidential. It was this book by Gunnar Hansen, the original Leatherface himself, and he talked about the making of that original movie, and it sounded like it was kind of a nightmare, like it was super hot, and there was even a point where they wanted to like kill each other, and it's like such a well-written book, and he seems like an interesting guy. So yeah, that first film really does feel like lightning in the bottle. It's got a really low budget and it's all the better for it, in my opinion. And now with the second movie, uh, you know, the one with Chop Top and the cook is the only actor who returns, I believe. Um, Originally, Chop Top was just going to be nubbins a hitchhiker but they decide to just make him an entirely different character his twin brother and bill mosley is just so over the top cartoony it's just so good yeah like he did a fan film called the texas chainsaw manicure right yeah um and when they said hey we're gonna shave your head bald is that okay he took like a like he said you can shave every part of me bald and i will take this role <laughs> Yeah, it, it kind of went that trend that Evil Dead was heading as well, you know, becoming a horror comedy. But like the second one, to me, it has its really funny moments, but it's not I don't find it as funny as Evil Dead 2 because some of the screaming gets kind of 
annoying, like Temple of Doom levels of annoying to me, but it's definitely a cult hit. Like it has like its own fan following. And then you get to the third movie, Leatherface, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3, which kind of ignores the ending of the second movie, but also has a cameo from someone from it. And because it's New Line Cinema, you would think that they would really amp it up because, you know, the company that has Nightmare on Elm Street, but it really feels watered down and more mainstream kind of like what ended up happening with army of darkness and they tried to make new family members who are kind of interesting in their own right but still feel like they pale in comparison to the originals and then you get the really weird possibly deconstruction one uh a titled return of the texas chainsaw massacre and then later retitled texas chainsaw massacre the next generation where Matthew McConaughey and a couple other characters are just like over the top berserk like they're Leatherface's new family but Leatherface is even more subservient and like does like even more annoying screaming even more so than the what the second movie has it has like such a weird bizarre ending like they didn't know like what to do like what plot they were doing there's this conspiracy thing like this illuminati type stuff and then like that that was when like they knew they were in need of a reboot um with the remake i i actually really like the remake as well like it's very different it's a grittier leather face it's not trying too hard to be the original and i thought the prequel the beginning was a decent prequel even if it wasn't quite as good as its predecessor i think like a lot of why that movie so carried I think it's because Arlie Ermey literally carries that whole movie on his back. Yeah, like the family members in in that particular iteration are probably the most interesting ones since the first two, I would say. And then they ended up doing what like Halloween and I guess previous Texas Chainsaw sequels had kind of done to an extent which was like ignore the previous sequels only be a sequel to the original you know you got Texas Chainsaw 3D which opens with a scene picking up right after the first movie and I I thought they did a cool job like trying to replicate the house and you got Bill Mosley uh, playing uh, Drayton the cook in his stead because that actor passed away and it, 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 he did a nice way of honoring him Gunnar Hansen had a cameo as well the relatives um, a lot more Sawyer family relatives than anyone expected but they tried to do this weird thing of making the whole family the victims and the town the villains and it's like no like th- these people killed people and it's like it's kind of a guilty pleasure movie for me, um, it's really weird because even though it takes place in 2012, it feels like the way the characters look, how they've aged, it feels like they meant for it to be 20 or 25 years after. Like, it's it's just such an enjoyable mess to me. And then the prequel after that, uh, Leatherface, like, it's I despise that prequel. Like, it ruins the mystery of Leatherface. Like, it just tries too much and that was like another low point but yeah (laughs) in other words it's not been fun at least like you can point to the other slashers with their multiple movies and be like yeah that movie sucked but that one was fun with this one it's like oh only two of them are good 
well, three, two, maybe three, depending on your taste. Yeah, so, so now we get to the 2021 film, which, uh, again, like, just ignores everything except for the original and this really felt like it was tr- like they watched Halloween 2018 and then thought, yeah, let's do that. Like, what was your reaction to all of this, like this particular take? See, I was optimistic for a while about this movie because I really dug the director. Granted, Don't Breathe is not, but I loved uh, his take on Evil Dead. And, you know, Fede Alvarez, I think, is a still a good director, and I think he could have been perfect with this, but I don't know if it was, like, the direction or, like, the studio meta or, hell, Kim Heinkel, who is, who, yes, he was a screenwriter and cinematographer for Texas, the original Texas Chainsaw movie, but he also directed Next Generation, literally, no. <laughs> yeah, Fetty Alvarez um, actually wrote the story for this one, or co-wrote it with Rodo Sayagues, or Sayagues. Yeah, I'm not sure how to pronounce it, but yeah. I knew Heinkel, Kim Heinkel was involved with this, and for some reason my brain went scriptwriter, but I know he's heavily involved with this, so I don't know. Maybe a lot of the faults uh, fall on Heinkel. <sighs> The moment I heard, like, he was going to be attached to this movie, I went, oh, no. Yeah, Kim is a producer on this. And, yeah, like, I, I was watching this video of, like, behind the scenes of, like, the movie he directed, you know, the fourth movie. And he's he said something along the lines of the first movie looks too, like, too low budget. And, and like, when I heard that, like, I don't know if that was his exact words, but it was something to that effect. But when I heard that, I was like... He completely missed the point of what made the original so great. Yeah, the grittiness to it and almost like the documentary feel was like the beauty of it. Yeah, it was low budget, but like great directors, when they have a budget, they, they're like, I could have done more with less. And that's what Toby Hooper did. In fact, he continued to do that with several movies. Hell, I mean, like one of his major big budgeted movies was, you know, he didn't really have a major budget for a lot of his movies outside of Poltergeist and his remake of Invaders from Mars, which no one talks about. I, I, I feel bad about that. It's just so upsetting because the legacy of Texas Chainsaw is like for a lot of directors, horror or otherwise point to that movie in some capacity being like, yeah, that was an inspiration to me. And. You know, it has such a wide cast who are sadly gone. Even Hooper's, you know, that launched the career for one of the biggest horror directors. This one tries to emulate the original by beginning with, like, that narration that um, is done by John Larroquette. Um, Apparently, he also did the narration for the remake. But, yeah, like, we get this opening crawl that basically says something along the lines of on August 18th, 1973. And then it like mentions what happened. And now it says how many years later it is and how there's been like some silence. Like, what do you think of this approach to opening the movie this way? Well, if I didn't see the trailer before I saw this movie, I'd have been more excited. <laughs> when I saw it, like, we'll get more into what did certain elements of that trailer, but I you not the moment i saw that trailer i went well my optimism is officially dead yeah i think i know which moment you mean and we'll get to that yeah yeah (laughs) but it was cool because i honestly thought the 
narrator was gone. Yeah, so did I. Like, I was surprised. Like, I remember seeing in the theater thinking, oh, they got really good sound alike. Do they get sound bites? And it's like, oh, no, he's still around, apparently. Which was fine. But the problem is, like, the tone doesn't feel like... Like, the thing is, is, like, the narration is good. It's good. It's just... Like the tone following, you gotta file, you gotta like line it up with the tone of that narrator, especially like, okay, intro to the movie after the first movie, after the uh, intro, bunch of pictures, rotting corpses, and done like quick flashes on a photo, on a photograph. Here, literally kids laughing on a highway and driving down the road. Yeah, like when that happened, I was like, oh, this. Is this what's going to be? I mean, I, I wasn't that surprised again because of the trailer, but it felt too, um, like, I don't dislike Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, but the opening where it's like just the kids laughing in the car, it, it's always felt kind of off to me, but it felt even more so here, like, because I guess of the genre, you know, in indie, it was like a throwback a type of movie, a period piece here. It's like, you know, it's today, early 2020s, and they got, like, these annoying, like, younger characters just laughing on the highway. Yeah, and, I mean, credit where credit is due, there are some nice shots here and there, like, that opening scene of them driving down the road, I'm like, huh, this is not actually badly shot, too bad it's in a, it's in the wrong freaking movie! (laughs) I think, like, it was a cool idea to bring back the sunflowers, because, for those who are thinking, oh, why are sunflowers so important? It was it was a nice juxtaposition because sunflowers were all in front of the Sawyer house. It was supposed to be like a juxtaposition of this kind of beauty hiding under, like hiding this like savagery and brutality behind it, like a like a mask. Like like it's supposed to make you feel comfortable on a subconscious level, and then you get like really unsettled when stuff goes down. Yeah. Like, when you get past the flowers, it's death. And I was like, okay, sunflowers are back. I haven't seen those in a while. Nice to see them. And... Can we... Steve, I... (laughs) We gotta talk about the main cast. Oh, my... Yeah, so we've got Melody, who's, like, the... She, like, does, like, business stuff. And she has a sister named, named Lila, who's a photographer. So I guess they're doing the thing of, like artistic sibling and um, more workplace sibling you know trying to do like a contrast and Melody tries to bring her sister they live in San Francisco and they're going to Harlow Texas along with their friends Dante and Ruth I feel like they didn't have as much personality as I would have preferred but what did you think Oh, didn't have enough personality. I thought they had no personality. <laughs> we were just here to be cannon fodder. My thing with all of this is that there's no, and I like, and admittedly, it's a nitpick for all the Texas Chainsaw movies post the original. Well, the, the closest that got to that kind of dirt, this kind of dirty, you feel like you need a shower kind of filming, and like it just feels like you you can almost feel the heat and like grossness of that kind of area here it's too clean like you like you don't get that like that movie like every time i watch um texas chainsaw i'm like i need to take a shower now not because of like the graphics uh, graphic content it's more like you just feel like the heat and the exhaustion the characters do 
And again, the cinematography and the filming does justice to give you that kind of gross feeling like living out in Texas that long. And here you don't get that again. And it's almost like every, everyone is not, everyone's just like, Oh, it's so hot. And I'm like, it doesn't, I don't, I don't feel it. And you're all in an air conditioned car. Yeah. With the original, I totally get what you mean. Like I sort of feel like I've been walking in the dirt for a really long time. Like they have. And I think the sound effects that they use in the original also help with making it feel hotter like i don't know how to describe it but there's this particular sound effect that makes me think of heat and and again like the actors actually were like suffering from like heat it's it was just like so super hot like what the actor who played uh hitchhiker even said it felt worse than um vietnam apparently and yeah like they were some of those reactions were very real which is probably why it was the most effective even if the practices were very questionable here like with this new movie it falls under uh under it falls under like that category of texas chainsaw movies that feel too streamlined and watered down it's it doesn't feel like it could be a documentary type of thing like it feels very artificial and trying to like reflect today like be with the times and whatnot and and again like some of this was really annoying to see after we got not only halloween 2018 but also terminator dark fate i'm just like you know not everyone who's been through a traumatic experience like i i know we want to empower them but realistically not everyone who goes through that becomes this epic action person and so this really took me some getting used to and i'm still like getting used to it. i mean the movie came out last year and i'm still like trying to like wrap my head around some of this so, so let's talk about sally real quick because yeah the original actress marilyn burns had passed away and that was already a red flag of bringing back Sally when the original actress is gone. Bringing it now, the actress they replaced her with is from the movie Mandy, which I liked. Here, it just feels like we're just ripping off Lori. Like, I have to remember, oh, that's Sally. Because the thing is, like, oh, like, couldn't she recover from her trauma like Lori did? I'm like, here's the difference, though. Lori, when she survived Michael, it was more out of grief. And she took that grief, and it was more like you could conceivably see how that grief can turn her into an alcoholic survivalist. For Sally, at the end of the movie, she was laughing hysterically and scared out of her mind. That's more like, I'm happy just to get out of there and never come back here. Like, that doesn't say, I'm a survivalist. It's more like, oh god, I'm happy to be alive, and I'm probably going to a mental institution for about 10, 20 years. Yeah, and, and the fourth movie even had a cameo from Marilyn Burns, where she's a patient at a mental institution. So it's like, that could be her. And last time we saw her in one of these movies was a cameo as, I think her name was Verna. She was like Leatherface's aunt or something, um, or mother, something like that. And like she played that character very briefly in Texas Chainsaw 3D. But yeah, she's like passed away since then. And having this new actress, like as much as they, like it's much tougher for me to buy into this being the same character 
if it was the same actress, then maybe then it'd at least be like, okay, they've at least got, you know, the exact appearance of what that character would look like at this age. But since it's a different actress, it, there's more disconnect, like, to me. It, it's just, like, they even give her, like, almost the same clothing as Lori and the same, like, lines. I'm like, did y'all just, like, have that meme? Steven, have you ever heard the meme of... You're like, hey, can I copy your homework? Yeah, just change a few things. <laughs> yeah, that meme is a classic. This was very much that. <laughs> and, and, like, I like the Halloween reboot franchise. It's it's very, like, it's such a love letter to the original film. Here, this is not a love letter. This is like a, hate, like, I hate you text you get three in the morning from your ex. Yeah, it, it's, the, it's the Taylor Swift revenge song. Yeah, this is, this is that. And, like... <laughs> this is and i get it like you you want to do but here's the thing most of the actors are gone like i do appreciate in this movie that there is like a a bill mosley cameo i'm like oh bill it's great to see you man i wish you weren't here (laughs) You, you deserve more um and he plays basically like a in the film he plays like a um like just a gas station owner. They, I think they try to insinuate that he's Drayton, but they kind of fail at it. Yeah, I mean, realistically, Drayton would be dead by now because of how old he already was. He even has like a, he's like, oh, let me get my cousin Gunner. I'm like, don't do this movie. Don't do this. <laughs> yeah, and there's even the scene where Leatherface, you know, so Leatherface has been living among normal people, like not wearing the mask, but eventually, like, he wants to scratch that itch and he puts the mask back on. Like, he has it hidden in the wall, apparently. It's like, oh, did that not decompose or uh, okay? Um, and you know, I guess we'll go like all over the place with the plot and whatever, because it's already a mess anyway. But the scene where the characters go to a concert and they they go and see Buckethead, who played Leatherface in that, um, you know, Toby Hooper's son wanted to make this short film called All American Massacre. And so he got Buckethead to play Leatherface in that and Bill Mosley played Chop Top again. Um, like that scene at the Buckethead concert was really odd. Like, uh, I've re- I've recently just started like going through his discography. He's made like over three hundred albums apparently, and it sounds really cool, really avant garde. So the music here sounded really amazing. But seeing Leatherface just like kill people through the crowd and jump onto the stage, go against Buckethead, it just felt like really weird. It it felt like that scene in Texas Chainsaw 3D where they had Leatherface kill someone who was in um a pig head uh mask, you know, like from Saw, as if to say, oh look at these two going at it together. And it just felt really gimmicky and out of place to me. Like Sally wants revenge. And there's never really a moment where she seems like she suffered through trauma like she feels just like action person like there's never a hint from what i see that she like suffered like there's not there aren't really any introspective moments for her that reflect any of that exactly like again like they just want to do the lori thing but don't want to add any of the like what does that mean to the character now and 
oh god characters all of them. like the uh, one of the scenes is literally like i guess we could call um call them the fi- the uh the main cast uh i felt myself vomit saying that <laughs> our heroes ugh. Um, and they're literally just racking on a guy who's just trying to get gas for just owning a gun in his back. And he's like, dude, I do this because I'm an exter-. He's like, dude, I, I'm an exterminator. And they're like, fine, it must be for your small dick. And I'm like, why Why are we following these characters? At least like with the, with the original cast and some of the cast we've seen in other films, it's like, yeah, they're, they're just acting like kids, but they're not like going out and purposely antagonizing people. It's a very different form of, because like not all the characters in the original were likable necessarily, but it felt like they made these ones less likable and um, kind of like the Texas Chainsaw 3D thing. Like, so those friends were very unlikable that to the point where we're kind of rooting for some of them to be gone. Just to cycle back on Leatherface real quick on something that just bothered me is the, the mask itself, how it's, he looks like Clown from Slipknot. <laughs> no really when i saw the first poster i was like is this an album cover for slipknot oh it's it's the texas chainsaw massacre movie poster does look very odd like if someone showed me that poster without context i would not think oh that's leatherface i would think maybe at best something partially inspired by leatherface but not leatherface himself if that makes sense yeah and the actor playing Leatherface, he does a good good enough job. I'll say that. He he does a good enough job. I mean, yeah, no one's going to compete to Hanson's work, you know, uh, work and some of the other actors who've played Leatherface. But, like, he's decent enough. Like, he's decent enough as the character. But I feel like they, later on, especially in the third act, they really don't make him sympathetic at all. Like, the whole point is, like, there's a sick sympathy you get from Leatherface because he feels more like he's the puppet of the family. Like, he's the one... Um, because people forget, oh yeah, he's mentally ill and he's surrounded by a bunch of psychopaths. Of course, he's going to be a little messed up. Yeah, because in this movie, it seems like he's just been doing odd jobs for people trying to blend in, be normal, you know, paint some houses, do some construction, and they like never say his name weirdly. Like, I guess they didn't want to commit, but yeah, when he puts a mask back on, he's basically just badass Leatherface gonna kill everyone like it like he doesn't have any family members whatsoever in this movie like nobody he can be subservient to and so it feels like they forgot that there was more than just Leatherface yeah and that's the other thing that bothers me with this movie is that the whole has everyone forgot the whole tagline of the entire franchise is the saw is family yeah exactly it's like Leatherface does not work unless there's someone, one of his, at least another family member to play off of in some capacity, because that's what I think set him apart from like Freddy or Jason, even though he couldn't talk, he had like interact. He had an interaction, like a, like a freaking what's a good comparison. Like, um, like he had Drayton to play off of. He had, you know, Nubbins to play off of. He had Chop Top. He had, you know, Tex. Yeah. There was grandpa as well. Yeah, Grandpa. Literally, there were other characters that he could, like, it, like he was he was kind of like an extension of them. He was like their fist. Yeah, like, even in the remake where he's even more aggressive, he still has the family members to play off of. 
my inner gore hound was satisfied probably because all these characters are so horrible and <laughs> yeah and it's kind of weird because the original doesn't really have that much blood like there have been like documentaries and interviews and stuff about how like the audience imagines that there's more blood than there actually is but in this one and in some of the other installments they act they throw in more blood and it's just it, it makes it feel less authentic to me and i know they try to i guess we'll talk about this scene they try to be hip with the times i guess to feel more real when like he's in that crowd of people and they take out their cell phones and they're they're like try anything and you're canceled bro and he starts killing people we gotta really talk about this scene man because this yeah. one like I, like when you sent me that, I was like, I I literally threw up in my mouth. Yeah. <laughs> Even the context of trying to make it a joke, it's bad because her millennials are dumb. I'm like, oh, good for you. Here's a freaking gold star. Also, that's not the reaction someone would have for seeing a guy with a gu- with a person's face as a mask and holding a bloody chainsaw. Their reaction would be running to the back of the bus and praying that he does not kill them. Yeah, well, I do think, like, someone would take their phone out, like, discreetly to record what's going on as they're trying to escape. But to actually pause and, like, say that line, like, it just didn't feel real to me. That that was like, wow. I, I was like... Like, one guy... Like, yeah, you're right. One One or two people would take out the phone to, like, record this... And like show what's going on, either to like the, as evidence for the police or better put for their social media. Right, like Facebook Live or Instagram Live, something like that. Yeah, um, but yeah, no, at no point like that's re- like I understand that these movies are not known for realism, but that literally took me out of the whole movie. Hell, that took me out of the movie before I saw the movie with the trailer. Because when I, I that whole time that scene was in the back of my head, going, we, "We're gonna show up. We're gonna show up. We're gonna show up." And I was like, "Oh, it's kill. Like it kills more momentum for me for watching this movie." I know it's a nitpick. I know, but it was so. It, it, I hated it more, and I never cringe so hard in that in these movies as since "Do Your Thing," cause. <laughs> literally like that scene of her being like do your thing cuz and i'm like i will take that scene over this yeah the do your thing cuz was a real head scratcher because it's like wait now she now they're doing this twist like it feels like they didn't foreshadow this enough like like there's probably a way it could have worked and like the direction of like her joining the family being becoming an antagonist is intriguing but just the way the whole movie played out like it really needed another rewrite i did no one give this a once over i don't know and i'm like i know alvarez can do better i'm well aware he's a great director but there's a part of me that's like i'm afraid this might kill his career i know he's a producer but yeah like having this on his resume it's like you know i i loved that evil dead reboot it was so good and it's like Man, th- look at this. It's like, this is a shame. <laughs> it, it angers me on so many levels. And like, I, and you know, it's also infuriating. I saw Scream 5 and it was literally everything that this movie got wrong. It, that movie did everything right for a requel type film, even though, yeah, it's, they do say, yeah, this is the fifth film. And they do reference all four films rather than try to be like, oh, no, we're just going to skip over the past three sequels. But that movie literally did everything.
everything this movie could not, and it's so more infuriating. And I'm not even a Scream fan. No, yeah, I'm a huge Scream fan, and I also enjoyed the fifth movie. The first Scream movie is my favorite, and, like, my least favorite is the third one, which I find, like, just, just fine, just okay. And then the others are, like, Scream 5 is, like, in the middle three. It's pretty good. Like, it was very deconstructive, which... Got kind of eye rolly in certain places because it would reference a certain movie and it was very obvious. Um, I mean, they mentioned it explicitly, but overall, it was just such a fun ride and I loved how it ended. So, yeah, like this Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie really pales in comparison to Scream 5 and Halloween. And it's so weird because this. Like, the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre was one of the forerunners of slasher movies, and to see, like, how all these sequels and stuff, like, just can't compete against the original, it's just so bizarre. It's it's very much like I said at the beginning of this, of this review, is like, Toby, even Toby Hooper knew you couldn't re- replicate that movie. And it's, again, like, there are, for one thing it's going for is that there's not some, some nice cinematography and if you're a gorehound, you are going to like some of the kills. Like, one person gets, it, like, Leatherface is in the remnants of, of all things, a, a red lobster. And yeah. like, he grabs this dude and drags him into the kitchen and then puts his, like, him on a hook, meat hook, like you think in the movie, like, but it's on, not on, it's not on the back, like in the original film. It's put through the lower jaw and the hook comes out and Leatherface just starts raising the meat hook and his jaw just rips off and falls to the ground. He's just making the most ungodly noises. I'm like, okay, I'll give you that one. Yeah, the effects for that part looked really good. And I also got like really hungry during that scene. But yeah, that's marketing for you. I had a desire for Cheddar Bay Biscuits. Oh yeah, those are so good. It's been a while since I've had them. You know, did you know you can make you can get you can get the rest thing to make them in, in like Walmart? Oh really? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah, maybe I'll see what I can find to drop a link in the show notes for that. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, but like I said, outside of those two things, this movie is infuriating, and I. If, and I know there are way more diehard Texas Chainsaw fans than I am. What'd you think of the final showdown then? I guess we can get to that. Like, you know, we finally have um, Leatherface versus uh, this version of Sally. What'd you think of how that played out? It was literally trying to, again, replicate Michael and Lori's fight because Leatherface is back in the house and Lori's like, I called her Lori. <laughs> And and Sally is like going through the through the scenes, like just kind of like like uh, literally going room to room. And I'm like, okay, now we're gonna get to a room to mannequins, right? Nope, room of bones. Not even as impressive as the original film. And yeah, the house burns down with Leatherface in it. I'm like, he's gonna survive because of course this movie's they're gonna want to do a sequel. Yeah, I mean, not only that, it also felt like a repeat of the beginning of Texas Chainsaw 3D with the house burning down and Leatherface somehow surviving. Yeah. Now, to be fair, like, right before this scene happens, one of the other male surviving heroes comes in with his own chainsaw and he goes, I'm the Lord of the Harvest! I'm like, that scene is, that is so stupid and it has no context, but, like, I will give them the, uh, little thumbs up for the for the quick reference to texas chainsaw too yeah that old lefty line yeah 
<laughs> yeah, and like the fight between it's the problem is is like the final fight when Sally and Leatherface are fighting is like it's so shaky cam and close up. I'm like I can't see anything, and it's dark enough as it is. This is just a mess. You might as well throw mud on the screen. Camera movements like that make it feel even less. Like, like I know that people do found footage with shaky cam, but it somehow feels less real than the way the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre did it. Like, just hold the camera freaking still. Yeah. Uh, yeah, this, this movie, like, and sure enough, post credit scene, Leatherface is alive. I'm like, oh, I couldn't be original for five minutes. <laughs> It felt like it was trying to top Halloween. There, there's even that moment where um Chris Pine has a cameo, like Chris Pine of all people, and Leatherface like uh kills him and then cuts off his face and wears it for a little bit and then throws it away. I guess that's supposed to be a reference to the William Shatner masks in Halloween, kind of be like, oh yeah, we're better than Halloween, huh? When really they're just trying to replicate what Halloween's been doing. Yeah, it was equally infuriating. Like, Bill Mosley, like, this is the point where it's like, oh, he really is supposed to be the cook, where he's like, hey, brother. <laughs> he's like, hey, heard you around making noise, brother. And I'm like, oh, he's supposed to be great, isn't he? Yeah, like, with the timeline and everything, it just didn't make sense. Like, maybe it was not as nonsensical as Texas Chainsaw 3D's timeline, but it was still really infuriating. Yeah. Sucks, man. Like, like all the movies we we reviewed on this podcast, I would go like even our lowest scored ones. I would go back and watch over this. Yeah, and and the music by Colin Stetson. Like, it, while watching the movie, there were moments that stood out to me, but after the fact, it's like I'm not sure if this was his best work, really. Yeah, it's it's infuriating. It's mind-numbing, and I would literally, like, now, I would probably take, if I was had a gun to my head, and be like, okay, you gotta watch either this movie or Next Generation. I'd be like, Next Generation, just for Matthew McConaughey. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I would literally just take it, because it's so meme-worthy. Yeah, and Next Generation does have that. Like, as much as it sucks, it still has that aesthetic where it's kind of... Like, it feels dirty, not to the point of the original, but it feels like it's trying to feel like that in some places. So I guess it at least has that going for it. Yeah. I'm... I don't like... I can't even find a right word. Like, I... And someone probably on the podcast is watching going, really, he's that upset about this mo about a horror movie? I'm like, yes! <laughs> You've got to put effort in these films, especially with such a huge legacy, like the movie you're trying to do a sequel of. I am I wrong? Am I... Am I being overcritical here? No, I don't think so. I mean, I know slashers in general are kind of dumb, but we've seen in recent years how there can be good slasher movies, like... You know, Scream, Halloween, and with a legacy franchise like this, like, why couldn't they try that? Like, really try to be innovative and not try to write off the coattails of the original, uh, even more so than others, but in a way that just doesn't feel like the original. Like, it just boggles the mind. 
So I guess we can go into final thoughts and score out of 10 and unit of measurement. So what are your final thoughts, score out of 10 and unit of measurement for Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2021? Freaking screw this movie, man. That's my final thought. <laughs> um, my rating is three meat hook jaw ripoffs out of 10. And I'm being generous. This one is really far down there. It's like the franchise has gotten really low before. Like like we've said with Next Generation and with the Leatherface prequel. I still think Leatherface is my least favorite. That one's like a 3 out of 10 for me. But this one is like slightly above it, but below Next Generation, maybe. Um, like it might even like elevate Next Generation a tiny bit for me, like ever so slightly. So I guess for me, I would give this particular Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie... 3.1 out of 10 Red Lobster Biscuits. Giving him the point one is just more generous than I am, my dude. <laughs> yeah, but I think this is like the shortest gap that we've had when it comes to like really low ratings. <laughs> it might as well go all out, right? <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, like I said, the Leatherface prequel is... 3.0 uh, and it's still my least favorite this one is like very 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 slightly above it for me but really far below some of the other movies yeah i had hope man i want you to know that i had hope <laughs> i mean even before seeing the trailers i i thought to myself this is a texas chainsaw massacre movie it'll probably be bad but maybe it'll be like a really messy fun ride and i did have kind of fun seeing how disastrous it got but at the end of the day the movie just disappoints c compared to what it could be you know i don't know if there will be a follow-up to this because you know the audience for this isn't as big as for other movies so i don't know if the numbers did so well so uh hopefully there's no more of these because like like you've mentioned like people just can't replicate the original this whole time i've just been angry about this movie and now i just feel like there's just the anger burned out <laughs> all right well then i guess we can wrap up this episode so thanks for being on again mr multiverse where can people find your stuff uh they can find me on youtube and on patreon they can also check out my two books or rather two short stories and the two novels of duel of the monsters by wild hunt press and yeah you want to check me out go there nice yeah like i think i've seen you post about those they're like anthology books or with short stories yeah it's basically like just fun gory monster fights ah uh, the two i did the first volume it was uh jersey devil versus mothman and then i got really out there with a the second volume of uh vampire versus velociraptor <laughs> nice uh, have you ever seen velocipaster that movie is hilarious it's gold Dude, that movie is amazing. Yeah, it's like so surprising how well made it is. <laughs> Five minutes in, I was like, this is my movie. Yeah. I'll include links to all of that in the show notes. And yeah, I'll go ahead and plug in my stuff as well. You can find uh, my book, Lemons with Mike Rain. It's on Amazon. You could go to stephenschinder.com for more info. 
And I've actually been making some good progress uh, finishing up the next book, Trespassing Through the Visages. And I feel like taking a break from delayed replay really helped with that. And the show is going to be bi-weekly for this season. Something I considered for season two, but there was like so much to talk about. But now it feels like this is a good season to make it bi-weekly. And a couple other podcasts with friends of mine... uh, like one of them started bi-weekly, uh, Just Two Lads. Another started doing bi-weekly last year, uh, Intergalactic Peace Coalition. Yeah, like I think this is a good time. But yeah, I think that second book, I- I'm shooting for a summer release. So we'll see how things go. And I'll let people know if it comes out earlier or whatever. And you can follow me at Steven Schinder on Instagram and Twitter. Stephen Schinder Storytelling on Facebook. And if you would like to email the podcast with your thoughts on movies, horror, slashers, whatever, like any of the things we talk about here, you can email delayedreplaypodcast at gmail.com. Uh, let us know what you think about Red Lobster, I guess, um, or Buckethead. Like, I'm really enjoying what I've been listening to of Buckethead. And you can also follow me and my dad's podcast, Yes Shift, where we talk about the band Yes. That's at anchor.fm slash Yes Shift for the audio. Or for video, you can go to facebook.com slash Yes Shift. We got an interview with Mike Tiano uh, lined up, our second interview with him. Uh, he was like the webmaster for their, the band's website for a while. And we just interviewed Adam Sears from the band Lobate Scarb. He's worked with a couple Yes members. And we're trying to see if we can get Oliver Wakeman, a former Yes keyboardist on the show. We actually um, messaged him recently and he said he's interested. So we'll see what comes of that. And yeah, so it's good to be back. And without further delay, have a good day.